Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome, 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 everybody. Oh, what a week we've all had. I am so glad that you guys have decided to join us tonight on the Roads of the Week podcast for another episode of the Token and Hobbs show, episode number 70, Big 7-0. Fantastic. We're so glad to be here tonight. What a week. What a week. I don't think I've ever had a week where there's so much to talk about. And, you know, Hobbs, I keep thinking that we need to move this show to Wednesday night. Because how many times has there been a debate or an election on a Tuesday night or something crazy happens Wednesday morning and then we have to go the whole week just holding it all in, not talking about it? Man, if we if we had done this show on a Wednesday night to begin with, then we would have talked about this DC riot bullshit last week. But because this is a Tuesday show, we just had to sit here and wait for it. But here we are now. Now we get to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking a little bit before the show, and like both of us are are just fed up right now. It's we're both pretty hot under the collar about uh, not necessarily what happened in and of itself, because while I think that the riots or riots, protests, insurrection, as they're hyperbolically calling it, whatever you want to call what happened on the 6th, that the only good thing that came out of it was the fact that those people in Washington that deemed themselves our betters were shown that even without the massive amount of guns that we have in this country, that just a human wave of pissed off people can make their God certain degree of utility to that. However, I think that in the grand scheme of things, it's going to, because they are obviously going to use this as some excuse to pass some type of Patriot Act 2.0 some type of domestic terrorism bill that's going to restrict everything and everybody across the board. And I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of people saying that, that this was kind of a psyop, that there were agents provocateur, whatever you want to say went on, whether it was just mob mentality. I have my own theory on it. We can get into that later. I don't care how it happened. I don't care what the actual explanation is. The fact is that it happened, and it's going to end up biting us in the ass. Absolutely. The only good thing that probably came out of this was the fact that politicians probably <laughs> pissed themselves while while hiding out in their bunker. And there's there's a certain amount of utility to that. There's a certain amount of good that it does a politician to know that no matter 
how high up the hierarchy they are. They are always subject to mob rule when it comes down to it. And this is what rulers across the world throughout history have had to have had to learn, right? Whether whether it be the, the, the French monarchy or the Russian czars, when it comes right down to it, if you piss the masses up enough, there is no level of security that you can have that will protect you from an angry mob. Absolutely none. If, if, if the people of your country are angry enough to storm into your chambers and drag you out by your feet and string you up, they're going to do it. And no amount of police are going to stop them. But that's but see, here's the thing about it. Politicians in Washington were reminded of that fact, but that was the only good thing to come out of it. Everything else that has resulted from this has been absolute shit. There, there's nothing, nothing good is going to come out from this at the end of the day. You know, if, if you're going to go LARP ever, as a revolutionary, have the goddamn balls to follow through on it. But if you're just going to do this half-at shit... Well, you just you just push around some police officers. You you tear through a barrier. You walk into the Capitol building and you just wander around aimlessly, taking photos and stealing podiums. That doesn't do anybody anywhere any good. What kind of fucking bullshit is that? Seriously, what what were you even thinking? That's why I don't. Th- that's why I think everyone's saying, "Oh, this is a coup. This is an attempt to take down the government. This is an attempt to install Donald Trump as a dictator." No, this wasn't any of that. There wasn't there wasn't any planning to any of this. What what this was was an angry mob that found themselves that that found it incredibly easy to get through police barriers and into the Capitol building. It was an angry mob that when they got to the target of their march found nothing stopping them and they just walked right in. That's what happened. There was no plan here. There was no attempt. There's no attempted coup here. It's just an angry mob doing what angry mobs do. Since it looks like Capitol Police actually just let them in, like didn't even try to stop them, opened the gates for them, said, hey, yeah, come on in, do it. Yeah, in in some places, yeah, that's what it looked like it was going to do. But here's the thing that really annoys me about this. For all the blame... That, that progressives and leftists are laying on Donald Trump for the wrong reasons. I got to say, it, it, it amazes me that Trump supporters after this event are still going to bat for this guy. Let's go over the course of events that happened here. Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump supporters fly in mass to Washington, D.C. to protest the what they perceive as a stolen election, to stop the steal, as it were. Right. And Donald Trump gives a speech in front of all his supporters before this riot started. Right. He tells them that they're going to march on the Capitol and he is going to lead them. That's what he said in his speech, that he is going to be there with them, marching the Capitol, leading the crowd. Guess what he did? He went straight back home right after that. He didn't lead jack shit. Right. He told this crowd, let's march on the Capitol. Let's protest the steal. Let's let's save America. I'll lead you. And then he fucks off to go home and watch Fox News. Then this crowd that he whipped up into a frenzy riots in the Capitol building. And all these people now are getting arrested. And what does and what does Donald Trump do? Does Donald Trump have their back? Does Donald Trump have the back of his supporters, his supporters who will go to jail? For a decade 
for him, right? Who put their livelihoods on the line for him because they believe in him. What does he do immediately after? He condemns them and he concedes the election. So why do these fuckers still have his back? I don't understand what they're not getting here. Donald Trump does not have your back, guys. Donald Trump does not care about you MAGA folks. He never did. Donald Trump cares about his own goddamn self. Donald Trump loves Donald Trump. He does not love you. He does not give a shit about you. He doesn't care if you go down defending him from the stolen election. He does not care about you. All he wants is his own personal gratification. And he saw this thing get out of hand and found the perfect opportunity to throw his own people under the bus. And that's exactly what he did. And you're still going to bat for this fucker. You're still pretending he's some savior that's going to save America from the commies, right? Stop it. It's pathetic at this point. Stop backing this fucking retard already. Yeah, and the the, the shitty thing about it is, is that if you watched his uh, speech that he gave down in uh, Alamo today, not not the Alamo in San Antonio, but a town called Alamo, which is down on the Mexico. Um, he sounds defeated. You know, he was down there and he tried to do the, you know, like uh, we accomplished X, Y, but he sounded just completely beat down. And if you didn't get to watch that speech today, I don't blame you because literally nobody was covering it. Not CNN, not Fox, not, Facebook, not YouTube, nobody was covering the fact that the still still sitting president of the United States was giving a speech today, and he sounded absolutely defeated. He's sounded defeated since the 7th. Contrast that with why I think so many of these people are out there still defending him, and it's the, the, the online... QAnon crap. The whole reason that we had the clusterfuck on the 6th to begin with was these QAnon conspiracy guys that are telling you, oh, trust the plan. Patriots are in charge. We've got everything under control. It's like, no. no. There never was. There is. No, there, there isn't. And I saw somebody put it best the other day when they said that the QAnon conspiracy is the first psyop in history to tell you to your face that it is a psyop and still have people fall for it it's you know i when i first heard about QAnon, there's some type of government insider who's feeding information to anonymous message boards okay with a as contentious of an election as it is and a supposed outsider trying to get things done in washington now that is 100% believable that some type of anonymity would need to happen for some type of government insider in order to feed uh, possibly incriminating information about the political elites out. Yep, that sounds 100% believable. That's my fucking jam. That is my bread and butter. I love that type of conspiracy shit. But the first time that I actually laid eyes on a QAnon post, I said, this is bullshit. Because all it was, it's, it's, it's weird, cryptic, 
almost like a, a rhymy sing song. It's it's the same bullshit tricks that fortune tellers and Nostradamus use to trick impressionable idiots. It's precise enough to put that little inkling of doubt in the back of your mind that, hey, maybe this is legit, but it's vague enough that that tiny little inkling allows you to read into it whatever you want to read into. It is a psychological trick used by con artists and bullshitters. And that's all it turned out to be. Yeah, that's, that's all any of this shit turned out to be. Like, there was no plan. Donald Trump apparently thought that he could just bullshit his way back into the White House. I mean, here's the thing about it. Donald Trump ran a horrendous campaign. The dude was an absolute dumpster fire of a candidate. The entire re-election campaign for Donald Trump was utter shit. And he was running against a guy who didn't run a campaign at all. So you had dumpster fire campaign versus non-existent campaign. And then Donald Trump loses and is and, 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 and he apparently thinks that he can just talk his way back into the White House. Like, he never won a court case. He could never bring enough evidence to, to, to get any court to take him seriously. But all the way up until until the 6th, he was still telling everybody, don't worry, we're, we got this. D -d just the next, just touch the next step in the process. Like, I'll, I'll get my VP to just not count the electoral vote so that Congress can't certify it. Like, that was never going to happen. You know that was never going to happen. VP Pence was never going to get up in front of Congress and just not certify the vote. That that wasn't even a thing that was going to happen. And then Donald Trump pretended like it was this grand betrayal that he didn't do what everyone knew he wasn't going to do. Right? Is it like, oh, VP Pence betrayed me? He he turned his back on me. Like, dude, I don't I don't understand. And here's the thing about Pence: I don't understand why he thought. Trump would have his back, right? Trump has never had anybody's back, right? He doesn't have his own supporters back. And, and what happened on the 6th just proves that point. He never had anybody's back. Why Pence apparently thought that Trump wasn't going to do the same to him that he did to all the other people that he, he, he ran through his cabinet. I don't know why he didn't think that wasn't going to happen, but apparently they're no longer friends anymore. <laughs> apparently they they had actually been friends and they're, now they're not anymore who knew yeah i i don't know man it's like i i still think that there was massive amounts of fraud and aside from a a completely transparent open and visualized recount and audit of all of the about me that says that all of the weird inconsistencies, the unprecedented number of mail-in voting, the unprecedented low number of ballot uh, rejections, the unprecedented high number of roll-offs, you know, all of the anomalous things that went on in this election, you cannot, there's nothing you can tell me that's going to make me believe that there was not a massive amount of fraud in Joe Biden's favor. And the fact that, we had an entire year of mostly peaceful protests that set the stage for uh, the entire country to know that if things went 
the way that the people who were in the streets rioting didn't like that they would burn the whole country to the ground if given the chance. You know, there was the uh, story about a Supreme Court staffer who said that while they were in deliberations to, to see whether they would even uh, just to even take a look at the case, uh, they could hear John Roberts screaming at Alito and Clarence Thomas through the doors saying, I don't give a shit about Bush v. Gore. We didn't have riots back then. So the fact of the matter is, is that the, the, our Supreme Court is completely useless. They didn't, they didn't, they rejected the case, the cases. They didn't reject the evidence. The evidence is there. It's, it, it's like I was trying to explain in our group chat that we have with uh, some, some other admins. It's, it's like, it's like in a murder case, you know, the evidence that, Rudy Giuliani and Trump's legal team was bringing, it wasn't the dead body in a murder case, but it was testimony from the neighbor next door saying that he heard screams in the middle of the night. The screams is what they had. The Supreme Court punted on whether or not to issue a search warrant for the suspected murders. And 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 the, the the cops showing up at the murderer's house and saying, hey, can we take a look inside? And the guy saying, uh, no, you can't come in here. That is the equivalent of these very states saying that independent auditors can't take a look at their ballots, can't take a look at their machines, can't take a look at their voter rolls. So the whole thing is fucked from top to bottom. And it's understandable that the people in D.C. were pissed because – you have the Supreme Court, the Congress, the Senate saying, don't believe your lying eyes. Don't believe what you believe to be true. Shut up. Sit down. We're in charge now. So no wonder that they busted the doors down and kicked their feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, took her laptop, took her podium. Talk about a fucking piece of swag, man. I hope that guy gets to keep it. Ten years in jail is fucking worth it. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. Here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. It's not that I am principally against raiding the Capitol. Hell, if if the, if the people raid the, raiding the Capitol on the 6th truly understood how fucking evil their politicians are, those gallows they brought wouldn't have been just for props. They wouldn't have been. If, be, if they truly understood how wicked, how vile, how corrupt and evil these people are, they would be hanging from trees. But they don't. They think they do. They don't. Right? They're not rioting because of, en of, of, of endless spending, <coughs> bottomless debt, never-ending wars, the fucking violation of our civil liberties, and selling this country out on a daily basis. That's not why they're rioting. They're rioting because their orange god is 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 not going to be president on January twentieth. They want Donald Trump to be in the White House, and he's not going to be right. And they they have this false picture of what he is. Like he's not the guy they think they are. He's not the guy the left thinks he is. He's just a narcissistic idiot. That's who Donald Trump is. He's not God. He's going to save you from the evil libs. And he's not fucking Mussolini, right? He's not either of those things. He's just Trump. Trump is what he is. You just look at the guy, listen to the guy. There's no subtlety to him. 
You can figure it out. He's just a big idiot. And a narcissistic idiot at that. And to, 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 to go to jail potentially for 10 years, because that, that that's the, the, the funny thing about it. Wasn't it Donald Trump who signed an executive order uh, making it a 10-year penalty for violating a national monument? Wasn't that Trump that did that? I believe it was. So all these people that go into the, the Capitol building desecrating the sacred heart of democracy, yeah, potentially could go to jail for 10 years for that. Right. And it, I, I got to say, let's, let's talk about yeah. this. The reaction from a lot of libertarians has been absolutely fucking ridiculous. It, it, it's been pretty ridiculous to see people, libertarians nonetheless, talk about the sanctity of the Capitol building. Oh, they violated the sanctity of Washington, D.C., the heart of democracy. Like, if you, if there's any sanctity in D.C., then the politicians who conduct business there on a daily basis soiled that decades ago, if not centuries ago. There is no sanctity in the halls of Congress. There's nothing sanctimonious about it. It is a hive of scum and villainy, and that's all it's been for my entire lifetime and your entire lifetime. So don't sit here and tell me about how it's so uncouth that these unwashed plebes broke through the barriers and stole Nancy Nancy Pelosi's podium and put their feet on her desk. I don't give a shit about that. I don't give a shit about that at all. I don't care that any of these politicians were scared as shit with these angry plebes running through their halls. That doesn't annoy me. What what bothers me is what's going to be the reaction to this, not the fact that these sacred holes were desecrated. Yeah, and that's that that along with the reaction of our our fellow libertarians is action of the media is probably what has me the most upset out of all of this is because we have been seeing our entire country, our major metropolitan areas burning to the ground in the name of racial justice. Not that, not that, not that what they're doing is getting us any closer to any kind of racial justice, but it's all in the name of racial justice and people in the media and people on the left and people in party sat there and clapped like trained seals because you just you you say it's oh this is this is to fight systemic injustice oh that's a glorious and virtuous cause and you don't it's it's the same thing as when a politician names a bill like act and what it's really doing Yeah, yeah the patriot act and what it's really doing is dropping bombs in third world countries just because it says black lives just because they say they're for racial justice, burning down your local fucking auto zone doesn't get you anywhere closer to having racial justice at all. So stop stop going by what they're saying it's about and look at the fruits of the tree. What is going on here? We've watched our country burning to the ground. We've watched lawlessness. And we've watched these idiots loot and pillage their own neighborhoods during the night and then during the day they're going to turn around and bitch about how poverty and lack of opportunity is the reason that crime is so high motherfucker you're the one who broke into AutoZone last night 
You're the reason crime is so high in your areas, not a lack of opportunity. And when the opportunity that you did have leave because you looted the store the night before, that's on your head too. I'm sorry. So after seeing the summer of love come around and burn our cities to the ground, we get to turn around and watch a few knocked over velvet ropes at the Capitol, some rambunctious Q-tards going through the going through the halls, shuffling some papers up in offices. Podium got stolen. A couple of laptops got taken. Who knows what happened to them? I hope there's some juicy stuff on those that gets dropped on WikiLeaks, but that's another story. You know, all in all, nothing really all that terrible happened and now we've got these people in the media and in the left and in our own for shame calling this terrorism calling this an insurrection saying the the national guard needs to be called all sorts of authoritarian bullshit from the so-called party of principle y'all make me sick with this shit yeah yeah, it, it absolutely does. It's fucking ridiculous. It's insane. We're, we're, like, like you said to begin with, I think we are in in for, especially with Democrats in charge and being the primary targets of this, probably Patriot Act Part 2, something along those lines going down in the future. And, it, and that's the thing about it. I mean, it, it was. I remember when I was a teenager and it was Republicans who were the the, the, the unquestionable authoritarians, right? In the, the, the beginning years of the war on terror, it was Republicans who were wanting to lock people up for shit. And now it's Democrats. It's, it's Democrats. And they, they call it the insurrection, the lamest insurrection to ever happen. Like, wow, do you, you think that was an insurrection? No one was even armed. See, that's the funny thing. No one was even armed there. I didn't see a single gun in any of those video clips, you'd think there'd be somebody. Like you, you, you see, you see videos of uh, the riots all year. There's always one guy with the gun. I didn't see a single one in these. And that's the thing about you. Yeah, you the were only... talking, yeah, you were talking about yeah, the hypocrisy yeah, no. in the media, and I, I gotta say, you can't go around justifying riots and looting and, and destruction on a massive scale for a whole year. And then expect the other side not to pick up on that. Like, yeah, you spent the whole year saying that that's the the, the riots are the vote of the voice of the unheard, right? That that the entire point of a protest is to make people uncomfortable. Well, you feel uncomfortable now, AOC. She was the one that said that. Oh, but not you. You're the special one. You're the special. You're not the supposed to be the one who's made uncomfortable, right? It's the mom and pop store down in Kenosha, Wisconsin. They, they, they got their business burned down. They're the, supposed to be the ones uncomfortable. It's that guy who's stuck in traffic for eight hours trying to get home and can't because the highway's blocked. He's the one that's supposed to be uncomfortable. Not you, AOC. You're the special. Not you, Nancy Pelosi. Not you, Chuck Schumer. No, not you guys. The plebes. It's the plebes who have to be made uncomfortable, not you. Right. The the only guns that I saw out of all of this crap going on were in the hands of the government. And it's not that these people weren't or couldn't be. I mean, 
let's just call it for what it is. The Trump-supporting conservative American is probably the most heavily armed demographic on planet Earth, bar none. So if they wanted to come with guns, they damn well could have. And I don't think that there was enough National Guardsmen or even active-duty military in the area that would have been able to stop them if they had wanted to do anything of the sort. You wanted to see an insurrection? They could have, but they didn't. And you know why they didn't? Because they weren't there to do it. Now, my whole theory on it, and this it, it came to me when I was talking to somebody at our uh, – at our Tri-Cities meeting on Saturday, was you hear these people that are saying that this is all uh, Antifa's fault and, and Antifa is the agent's provocateur and everything, and, and everybody's like, no, look, you know, the, the guy with the buffalo headdress, he's a, he's a Q guy, and the guy with the supposed hammer and sickle tattoo on his hand, that's not it's a, a video game symbol or something like that, and, and he's a, a well-known, uh, you know, uh, Trump supporter and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah. Do you remember that old cartoon show, The Boondocks? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, there was one episode where they were talking about how um, in in mob scenarios, it always – people are always yelling at each other and, and, and acting like they're going to get violent, but nobody ever acts out until somebody throws a chair. And I, you know, if you want to blame it on Antifa, I think that's more of a, uh, I think that's more of a plausible explanation than there was, uh, you know, mobs of Antifa out there. You know, if you had a thousand Trump supporters and one Antifa guy and the Antifa guy threw the chair, sounds plausible to me. I don't know. It just sounds like, Trump supporters trying to excuse it. I don't even know why you would want to excuse this. Storming the Capitol was the only cool thing Magatards ever did in the last four years. It was the coolest thing they ever did, and they want to give NT for all the credit. Like, why? Why are you giving NT for the credit for that? Just own up to it. Yeah, we stormed the Capitol. We took the speaker's podium. We put our feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. We stole her hard drives. Yeah, we got up in their shit. We stick a shit in their bathrooms. That was us, not Antifa. Like, why Why you got to make up Antifa starting this whole thing? Like, seriously, I don't, I don't understand. It, it, it makes a lot more sense to me that it was just uh, an angry crowd that got out of hand and suddenly found themselves inside the Capitol. I don't know why you have to, you know, make, make, make up an Antifa conspiracy that they started yeah. the whole thing. And that's not to say that there wasn't anyone in that crowd that was Antifa. I mean, it definitely probably was a few of them. Right? I, I'm yeah. shocked that there wasn't a counter-protest, for one thing. right? Because you always see that at these events. You always see a big counter-protest. I mean, especially in D.C., you think that that in the nation's capital, some leftist groups could could gather up a big enough crowd to feel safe to counter-protest this MAGA march. Because there were there had to be more than 100,000 people there. There were a ton of Trump supporters there. Uh, I mean, when we all know... There was north of a million. Was it that big? North of a million, yeah. Yeah, there was north of a million people there. The the everything Everything was full. The streets were full. Um, and I think that the reason we proud. didn't see... Any, yeah, yeah. The, the, I think the only reason we didn't see 
the type of organized counter protest that we normally see at these sorts of events is because the the, uh, mayor of D.C. and the media did such a fantastic job of scaremongering everybody into believing that the MAGA people were going to show up armed to the teeth looking for blood. So, yeah, I, I, I think that no no amount of, of, of left-wing militia is, is going to want to get involved with literally a million Trump supporters that they probably believe are going to be kitted out, suited and booted and ready for blood. I mean, that, that could be the case because you know how these, uh, these mobs like to operate. They like to gang up on people who are outnumbered. They don't like to go up against people who, you know, in big crowds, yep. right? And they, they, usually when they do that, they get their asses beat. So, I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen where it's been reported there was a million people. That's a, that seems like a lot. But let's say it was a million people. Let's, let's say it was half of that. Let's say it was 500,000 people. That's a ton of people. And you don't exactly want to get into the middle of that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's a good thing that they weren't any large-scale counter-protests because they could have gotten much uglier than it did a lot faster. And you could have seen all-out warfare in the streets if that happened. Yep. All right, so let, let, let's go into the next big thing that happened. So that, as we know, right after the event, Donald Trump, uh, he got on Twitter uh, he tried to calm his people down. Uh, he conceded the election. And then Twitter decided to take him down. Then Facebook decided to take him down. And then Amazon decided to go the extra step and yank the servers out of the uh, the social media site Parler. Now, if you guys don't aren't aware of Parler, Parler is kind of the... Uh, the lifeboat, shall we say, for a lot of right-wingers, Trump supporters, a lot of people who get kicked off of Twitter, kicked off of Facebook, they wind, they find their way to Parler. That's, that's kind of the lifeboat for people who don't like the, uh, the major social media giants anymore, and you know, for, for good reasons, right? Twitter... And Facebook have both been very bad about banning people, about not allowing certain speech, about very, uh, let's say, elastic interpretations of their own rules in order to justify silencing this view, but not that view. You know, whenever whenever there's a conflict, it always seems like uh, the benefit of the doubt goes to a leftist, whereas someone on the right side of the aisle never gets the benefit of the doubt and gets taken off the platform. So, yeah, people go into parlor. You know, what's that old line? Oh, if you don't like it, just make your own uh, platform. Well, conservatives did that. They had parlor. And Amazon decided to yank their servers and take parlor off the air completely. Like, gone. It's, it's disappeared and no longer exists. So, yep. yeah, that was – this was probably – this is probably – the most consequential effect of all of this. No, in, in the most consequential immediate effect, I should say. 
because we, we, we're not going to see, we haven't seen what legislation is going to come out of this, but taking down an entire social media site, I think just to ensure that Donald Trump doesn't get platformed again, because you know, Donald Trump, it was probably going to go straight to parlor and pick up where he left off talking directly to his supporters because they're all on parlor now. Uh, but the social media tech giants, the lords of information that be, had already decided that Donald Trump isn't allowed to have a platform. So they decided to combine forces and ensure that in order to prevent him from having that platform, they were going to squash a competitor, which is what happened. I know you had some... Uh, yeah, they're opening some themselves up to... Uh, yeah, yeah. So they, they had... They're, they're really opening themselves up to real antitrust violations, uh, especially if it comes out through the discovery process that Twitter had anything to do with contacting Amazon and telling them to pull the servers, or if uh, any e-phone calls come out that anybody in the government on the Democrat side, or even in the Republican side for that matter, if anybody in government had anything to do with... Uh, Amazon to breach contract and and pull uh, parlor servers out. They're opening themselves up to a world of hurt. And I uh, I watched Dan Bongino's show today because I'm really interested because he's a part owner in Parlor about what they've got going forward. And uh, there's a letter that they were sent by Apple, the App Store, uh, prior to being taken down that said that if Parler does not curate their content in a way similar to the ways that other social media platforms do, that they are subject to being removed from the App Store. Now, the way that Bongino put it was that doing so, uh, the App Store ordering them to curate their content goes in direct violation of the protections that are offered to social media platforms under Section 230. So it's either abide by 230 and get taken off of the App Store or stay on the App Store and run afoul of 230 by becoming a publisher other than a platform. And because Apple sent this and it's in writing and everything is on record now, Apple opened themselves up to a huge can of worms that. Uh, in addition... There was a BuzzFeed article that was published containing the letter from Amazon Parlor saying that they were going to pull their servers out, but the timestamps on the letters sent to Parlor an hour after the BuzzFeed article was published. So BuzzFeed got a copy of this letter. An hour before, yeah, an hour before Parler even knew the letter existed. So somebody is 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 opening themselves up to a world of lawsuits as far as that goes. Now, there's there's no doubt in my mind that all these big tech companies were colluding to do this. I mean, Apple and Google essentially at the same time announced that they were going to take Parler off the App Store. And then hours later, Amazon announced that they were going to take Parler off their servers. And it, 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 
for what I don't know what kind of contract they had. I would imagine that would be a massive breach of contract, though, to just say, oh, we're, we're taking you yeah. off the app. So you were good five minutes ago, but now you're not. So we're going to take you down and give you like hours worth of notice. Right. And on, on the other hand, I mean, I'm a libertarian. I don't believe in antitrust laws, but antitrust laws do currently exist. And I can't think of a better example of, of an antitrust lawsuit just handed to the owners of Parler on a, on a silver platter. All these tech giants, Facebook, Twitter, Google, Apple, and Amazon, the biggest of the big mega information corporations, all decided to target Parler at the same time, within a, within a couple days of each other. So, yeah, that's... Absolutely an antitrust uh, lawsuit coming to them. Now, Parler can get back on the air. This isn't the end of Parler. Uh, it, all they need is the capital to build their own servers, right? They, they, they need their own hardware. They need their own infrastructure. They need their own expertise to do this. It's definitely going to be more expensive for them to do it, but it's not impossible. Right. They, they can do it. And the right. funny thing is, freaking Trump could do it right now. He could give Parler a, uh, $10 million that he won't even miss and be like, here, go buy some servers, get back on, on the online and give me a giant platform to talk to my supporters again. It's kind of funny to me that he hasn't done that. I mean, what does he have to lose at this point? Really? <laughs> what are they going to do to him? that they haven't already done. Right. I'm pretty sure that it's coming right after the 20th. Cause I don't think that he can get into any kind of uh, investment or ownership stakes and things like that as he's still the president. But after well, don't, just, Joe Biden, just, give them, just give them a gift. It's not like he's going to miss a few million dollars. Just give them a gift. Like here's a few million. I'm gifting you. A huge building with servers in it. I don't. It's not even an investment. Just take it. I mean, it's been, essentially yep. <laughs> that's him paying to get you know uh, tens of millions of people l- looking at his uh, his social media again. He'd just be buying it back in the form of Parler instead of Twitter. And that's, yep. I mean, that's what he wants. That's what Trump wants more than anything. He, he, he likes Twitter because it's him going directly to his supporters. It, it's, it's, it's a scary precedent that has been set here, right? I mean, it, it, it's one thing to be fact-checking every single post that the president makes. It's one thing to, to, to take down a tweet, two tweets, whatever, from the president. It's another thing entirely to ban him entirely from social media while he's still president of the United States. And then to specifically target, to use this as a pretense, to target a competitor, right? To go after them. And I understand the argument. I understand the argument that libertarians are going to make. Oh, it's a private company that can do whatever it wants. All right, let's let's grant that for a second. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Doesn't mean you have to approve of it. Doesn't mean you have to cheer on these business practices. I mean, guys, just think about this for a second. You know how many libertarians in the Libertarian Party are not at all shy 
about talking about violence done to the government. Like it happens all the time. You go to any Libertarian Party convention, there's always at least that one guy. And he's talking about, oh, we need to fucking take down the government, blah, blah, blah. And there's, you, you go to the, the Spike Cohen's event that he had in Lincoln. And what do you have? A uh, half dozen dudes walking around with rifles and body armor. Right? And they followed him around all over the country. That was like every Spike Cohen event. You, you, this is the pre, this is, if, this is all the pretense that these mega corporations are going to need to take the Libertarian Party off Twitter, off Facebook, and to pull their website from their servers. And then what does the Libertarian Party have? Hmm? You tell me. What does the Libertarian Fuck Party have? All. They have no social media and no website. They don't have shit. They got, right? they got mail, mailing lists, and that's about it. You know, maybe if you're on an email list or whatever. And... Um, and, and and I think that a lot of libertarians are justifying it in their minds by telling themselves that Trump and his supporters and his rhetoric are so uniquely evil that we'll just overlook the slimy business practices of these big tech giants. Just this one time, you know, we'll cheer it on. We'll use the whole my private company excuse that we always use anytime one of these giant oligarchs with more power than anybody should have in an unelected position flexes their muscle and whatever. Well, let's, let, let's, let's put aside that for, for just a second. Let's put aside all of the multi-billion dollar uh, uh, contracts that, that these companies have with the government and, and the DOD and whatnot. Let's put aside all the subsidies that these companies have received over the years in order to keep their business model afloat or to get them that jumpstart capital to make them what they are today. Let's forget about all of that. The main argument that a lot of libertarians are making is that these are private companies and they took the actions that they did of their own free will without any threat of government involvement, no threats of litigation, regulation, or legislation. And you know what? That is 100% correct. But what happened in real life is so much worse. The government didn't have to threaten these private companies with any kind of them to do what they did. All that it took was prominent influencers on one side of the political aisle making a veiled suggestion on social media, and these companies all followed along lockstep of their own volition. That is so much worse than the government ordering it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Worse. Because not only are you able to not use the excuse that the government is infringing on, on private businesses and First Amendment rights, but you also get libertarians jumping to the defense of these private companies, engaging in these slimy and underhanded business practices in order to silence political opposition of their favored political ideology. That is what scares the crap out of me and what pisses me off about these libertarians saying that the free market will provide, the free market will provide. Well, I watched a video last night. I shared it with our, our, uh, our chat group. Um, the free market solution to this requires you to build a bank that is internationally recognized, build a credit card processor that is internationally recognized, basically build your own internet, build your own server farms, and then you can start your own uh, social media platforms. It's so much more than just building your own social media platform. 
Gab tried it. They had their credit card processors pulled out from underneath of them. They had their web service uh, pulled out from underneath of them. They had to basically start up and build their own infrastructure from scratch, and they're still maligned in the media as the home base of white supremacy. Parler tried to do the exact same thing, had everything pulled out from under them too. So it's more than just making your own platform. You have to start from scratch, from scratch. Yeah, the free market did provide. That's the thing about it. The free market provided Parler. The free market provided Gab. And these mega tech corporations, they're the new gatekeepers. Like, remember, everyone was talking about how the new age of social media meant that was it for people trying to censor us. Like, oh, that's it, everybody. They can no longer censor free speech. They, they can no longer prevent people from getting their ideas out. That illusion has been popped permanently this week. Yes, they can, right? They, yes, they can take you completely off the internet if they, if they don't want you there. Yes, they can completely deplatform you. And here's the thing, you see a lot of libertarians you're comparing this to that Christian baker in Colorado not wanting to bake a gay wedding cake. It's like, well, that's the free market too. He, he didn't have to he, he, he didn't have to do it. But what, what was a lot of libertarians at the time were pointing this out. Yeah, but we still but you know, a business can do something and we can still criticize it. Like saying that, oh, yeah, I'm for private property. I'm, I'm for the free market, blah, blah, blah. This doesn't therefore mean that you are no longer allowed to criticize anything a business does. That's not what that means. In fact, your criticism is one of the key factors that influences businesses and their practices. Yeah, you should be loud and angry about this sort of thing. You should be angry about Facebook, Twitter, Google, Amazon, and Apple all conspiring together to squash a potential competitor. That's not that that is some shady shit. That that's some kind of shit that shouldn't be happening. And you should be upset about that. And you should be angry about it. And you should speak out about it. That being a libertarian doesn't mean you have to be this passive observer who doesn't take part in debate, who doesn't take part in the marketplace, who just has to quietly sit down and shut up whenever a corporation does something that you don't like. But that's the problem of it. A lot of these libertarians do like what they did. It's not, they're not, they're not arguing. They're not saying, oh, this is, these are private companies. They can do whatever they want. They're not saying that because, you know, that's honestly what they think. They're saying that because they approve of what these companies did. They like it that all these Trump supporters had their platform pulled out from under them. They like it that Donald Trump isn't able to speak to his supporters. They like that. And the only way they can justify that is to point out that these are private businesses. And that's the only argument you'll hear them say. Like, oh, yeah, they're private businesses. They're private businesses. Shut up. Don't criticize them. You're not allowed to do that. You're a bad libertarian if you criticize business. Like, when, since when has that been in the ethos of libertarian philosophy? That if you believe in libertarianism, you're not allowed to criticize a private business? Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit. Yes, you are. Yeah. And yes, I am criticizing Critic this. Yeah, criticizing business isn't the same as calling for a government solution. And that, I think, is where a lot of people have the disconnect. Now, when I'm saying that that these, these companies using the whole private business excuse, 
uh, just doesn't hold water in in this instance. I'm not saying that the government needs to step in and do something like revoke Section 230 or revise 230 or you know reform it or anything. I'm not saying that there's a government solution to this, but I'm also saying there, that I don't see one. a there isn't one. But I'm also saying that I don't see a viable free market solution either. When what I pointed out is absolutely true, that you would have to from a bank and work yourself up to a credit card payment processor uh, that, that you build yourself and recognize throughout the entire world in order to get these sorts of things off of the ground. So without a government solution, which is never at all, and without a viable free market solution, what options do you have left? Yeah, the, We're in uncharted the, 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 territory. The reason there is no government solution is, I mean, you guys saw what happened the day before these riots, right? Democrats took control of the Senate. So if your problem is all these Democratic-controlled institutions, you know, silencing Trump supporters and, and conservatives and, and, the, and even libertarians, even Ron Paul got this got the shaft on Facebook, right? But... If your if your solution to that is to then turn to the Democrats in the White House and Congress and say, "Hey, fix this," yeah, good luck with that. That's not going to work out in your favor. And if your solution is to elect Republicans to do it, hey guys, you had control of government for two two whole years. What did you do with it? You had the White House. You had both houses of Congress. What did you do with it? Anything. Like if if you think Nothing. the solution is to go and vote for more Republicans, you're delusional. What you, you you have to ignore every Republican government that has ever that has ever existed. They don't do shit. They don't do the things you want them to do. They just you know what Republicans do when they have the White House and both houses of Congress? They cut taxes. That's it. That's yeah. what they do. And you know what? I appreciate good. a tax cut. And it's, it's not a bad thing. But that is the only thing that they do. And that's enough to shut you the fuck up so that you keep voting for them every two years. They didn't even even repeal Obamacare. So if you think there's a government solution to this, you're delusional. There is no government solution. If If you put government in charge of social media and tell them to fix the problem, the problem is going to be 10 times worse in half the time. Like... If, if government had been in charge of social media this whole time, what happened to Parler would have happened five years ago. Uh, yeah, Parler wouldn't even have had, been able to. Uh, yeah, Parler wouldn't even have been able to to get off the ground because if you do something like nationalize Twitter, which is one of the arguments that I've heard floating, I'm just like, well, y'all are yeah, fucking yeah. nuts. But if you do something like nationalize Twitter. You basically have the social media equivalent of the post office. Now, I know we have private competition, uh, things like UPS, FedEx, DHS, stuff like that. But uh, they're they're kept out of certain markets by law. And... Uh, while FedEx and UPS and everything are certainly successful businesses, certain limitations on them that don't allow them to 
compete at the same level that the post office does because the post office is heavily subsidized, kept afloat, and that makes for unrealistic market competition. You know, if the post office was left to stand on its own, the post office wouldn't would have, fail. have existed probably for the past 20 years. You know, UPS and FedEx would pick up the slack. And uh, a hundred other small private services would would pop up to take their place. But because the post office operates the way that it does under heavy subsidies, it's kept afloat on your dime. The same thing would happen to Twitter. You might have things like Parler and Gab and a hundred other little small social media platforms, but they would you know, quickly peter out or not have the reach because the government would be keeping Twitter afloat. Yeah. Or you would have stupid shit like, oh, you can only do live videos to Twitter or you can only sell merchandise on Twitter or some stupid shit yeah. like that. That's, that's the kind of thing that would happen if you nationalize Twitter. Right. So, so, so you ask what the solution is. Well, the solution definitely is not government. The solution is definitely not, oh, build your own bank so that you can process payments for this uh, website company so that they can, you know, have servers that allow parlor upon in their servers. That, I mean, you can go that way if you have an incredibly rich, influential billionaire to back you, <clears throat> Donald Trump. So you may be able to go that way w- with enough capital, but it, it, it seems to me that we are starting to approach a breaking point in this country where it is becoming increasingly impossible for different sides of the political spectrum to live in the same country together. They can't even live in the same society together. They can't even exist on the same social media platforms. They, they don't watch the same news. We are not one country, and we haven't been for a very long time. This country is becoming more and more polarized, more and more divided, and no amount of old man Biden talking unity is going to fix all that, right? It, it, it seems mm-hmm. to me what the only real solution here is not a government solution, but an anti-government solution. The solution here is federalization. The solution here is decentralization of power in government. The solution here is to put more power in the hands of individuals and their own local governments, as opposed to centralizing it in Washington, D.C., to reverse the trend that we've been going in since the 1860s, to start taking power away from politicians and central bankers and lobbyists in D.C. and put it back in the hands of your local mayor and city council. And or better yet, you individually as a property owner. That's what the real solution is. To stop trying to have this one size fits all government. To stop having AOC and Lindsey Graham exist in the same government trying to trying to legislate for both. Right? There's no reason why AOC should be telling people in Nebraska how to live, and there's no reason why Don Bacon should be telling people in New York City how to live. There's no reason for that. And the only reason it's getting that way is because politicians want more power. They want to grab more power and prestige for themselves. And that's the trend we've been going in. Now, I, I read this fascinating book last week called American Nations. I'd have to pull up the name of the author to, to give you that. But essentially, the theory in this book 
is that the United States isn't a union of 50 states, but really a federation of 11 ethnos, not ethno states, but 11 nation states. Uh, the book's by Colin Woodward. And essentially, these different nation states have, were formed by the colonization of different groups of people who have very different attitudes towards society, towards government. For example, New England was settled mainly by Puritans. Uh, the Midlands were settled mainly by Quakers, Appalachia, by Scots-Irish, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, 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 and the theory of this book is that the nation has been in a constant tug of war, not between states or political ideologies, but between these different nation states that exist without regard to political boundaries. Like, for example, one of these nation states is called the Midlands, which is where uh, eastern Nebraska is. And that encompasses a very large port of Canada, right? It's, it's, not, it's not a nation that relies on political boundaries, but relies more upon social attitudes and a, and a common kind of history of the people who settled these regions. It's a fascinating book. So I'm, I'm going off on a tangent about it. It's a fascinating book, fascinating theory. But that's, that's, that's really what we need to come to grips with, is that the United States is not one nation. There is no single Americanism that you can point to. What we have are different Americas living simultaneous with one another, and we're attempting to govern them all from Washington, D.C., and we're expecting good results and unity and rah-rah America, but that's not the way it works anymore. People are too cynical to fall for the old tricks now, and right. it's not right. going to work. It's not going to work going forward. Nope. This country is in dire need of a divorce, and uh, I've been listening to a lot of Eric July's podcast lately. And one line that he keeps saying over and over and over again is, why do y'all crackheads want to share a government with these people? And that's, that's really what it is, is we should not have to share a government, especially one with as much power as our government has. We should not have to share a government with people who hate us and in a lot of instances want to see us dead. And the other thing that he keeps saying is, is that this desire to keep this country together is what's going to cause bloodshed. The uh, is a fight for our, the center. Instead of a, yeah, it's a fight for the center. Instead of allowing federalism where you have different centers of power, everyone has to fight over Washington, D.C. Yep, yep. His, his saying that... Uh, that uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. When he when he's saying that, fuck. How was I gonna put, how was I gonna word this? His his saying that he he was saying that our schools have done such a wonderful job of conflating civil war with secession, or rather secession with civil war. That any time that there is a secessionary movement, that it is going to result in civil war. However, in this instance, stopping secession, stopping disparate 
political groups from splitting off away from each other peacefully and saying, you go your way and you have your socialist over there on the left coast. Over here in the Midlands, we're going to live the way, you know, a little more closer to the original U.S. Constitution. You do you. We'll not allowing people to do that is what's going to result in civil war, not the other way around. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and it's interesting. I would prefer, I would very much prefer that we remain one country if for no other reason so that we can maintain ease of travel between the various states. Like, I, I don't want to have to get a passport to go to Iowa. You know what I mean? That doesn't at all sound any way, shape, or form like something I, I want to do, right? I would, I would like this country to be one country. But if that's no longer possible, then breaking this country apart peacefully would be a viable solution peacefully. That's what we really, that's, that, that's what I, and I think most libertarians should be really all about. We want this country to remain at peace. We do not want war. We do not want fighting. War is the last thing you want. Like you, you do not want to see bombs dropping in, in, in Times Square. You do not want to see tanks rolling down the streets of rural Nebraska towns. That is not something that you want. And if that's something you want, then, oh, boy, you you, you got to freaking watch yourself because that, that is a scary prospect that no rational human being should be looking forward to. Yep. Uh, see, let, me, let me see if I can pull up uh... a map of – what I was talking about. <coughs> Those American nations. Here we go. Here, here is here's what it looks like. Right there. All those different the, the these are what the different nation states in according to this book looks like. You have Yankeedom in the north, the Midlands between Greater Appalachia, the Deep South, Far West, Left Coast etc etc and according to the theory this is the primary this is the actual political divide in this country so it's a, it's a fascinating book and i, I would highly recommend this the, the writer definitely has a leftist bias but regardless it's still a fascinating fascinating book all right yeah, those, um, those, those are always subject to change too those those borders um, like I, I would disagree with certain aspects of it. I'd cut things up a little bit differently, but, and this is something that me and Lyman have talked about on our chats, um, numerous times is that theoretically we could have a more or less culturally homogenous nation state in a diagonal stripe from Alaska down to Texas and probably be okay. Maybe, maybe Who knows? we'll see. Well, we've been going on for an hour. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, first observations of 2021. Interviewing Ed Black, the uh, artist behind those funny little comics that I share. Uh, I survived the Kali Yuga. So 
fun and interesting. He's he seems like a pretty cool guy. So we'll we'll talk to him on Friday and hope to see you guys there. All right, my guy. We I had Scott and Horton on the show this last Friday. That episode is now up on our. It is now up on our podcast stream. If, if you want to listen to the audio of this podcast, you gotta you gotta subscribe to the Think Liberty Network. That is what our audio podcast is under. Or you can watch the show live Tuesdays at nine PM Central, or just watch them after the fact on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel, Roads to Liberty. Um, we are ramping up our social media presence. We now have a MeWe, which I've been trying to grow lately. MeWe is not that big a platform. So I think having 40 people in our group already is not bad. We had a parlor for two days, and then it uh, parlor kind of went bye-bye. So when parlor comes back, we're on parlor. So you can look at it. And we're starting to tweet a lot more. Uh, we've had a Twitter since 2017. But we never, ever used it. We finally are starting to really get into Twitter. And I've been, I've been digging into Libertarian Twitter for the last few weeks. And boy, is it a dumpster fire. Libertarian Twitter is worse than Libertarian Facebook by far. But, I mean, we're, we're coming up on 12,000 followers on Facebook, coming up on 2,000 on Instagram. But we really want to build up these other social media presences because – with, with, with things going the way they are, I cannot guarantee that we're going to be on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube forever, right? If Ron Paul can get locked out of his account, we can get a, 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 a zucking to ourselves. So we want to build up these other uh, areas. We do have a Minds that I haven't used in like a year. I might have to get back into that. But quite frankly, I can only run so many social media platforms myself so we'll see i i i think having facebook instagram twitter and MeWe uh for right now is enough for me to take on but yeah if, if you guys oh, yeah. are on these yeah, platforms to, go ahead and look us up i wanted to wanted to say one last thing before we get out of here i know we're running a bit late but uh if anybody out there is willing to throw a couple bucks our way either go to uh, roads the number 2 liberty.com buy some of our merchandise or get into our uh subscribe uh group or our support group that's what it is it's like 2.99 a month or something like that if you start throwing some money our way we can actually afford to uh, start going to events like what happened at the Capitol on the 6th, the Richmond gun rights rally that happened last year. All of these events that are huge newsworthy events that we talk about and you guys apparently like to listen to us talk about, we could actually afford to go there, be boots on ground and, and report live from the scene and get as it's happening. But we need your support in order to do that because Nathan and I and Ben, we all have regular jobs that we can't exactly be taken two days at a time out without a paycheck to go to these types of events. We need, you know, compensation to do this sorts of stuff. So, you know, I know it's e-begging, but float us a couple of bucks. We would greatly appreciate it. And maybe we can bring you live content. Yeah, absolutely. That That is a dream for the future. 
but your guys's contributions would absolutely help in doing something like that. And if you guys, if you guys want us to do like a Patreon with perks for members, you know, there are suggestions. Like I, I would love to know what you guys would want us to do for Patreon members and subscribers, right? For people who throw money our way, uh, what would you like to what would you like to get out of it from us? Would it be bonus content? Would you like Token and Hobbs to go on for an extra twenty minutes or so? That's just for subscribers. Would you like to see our interviews early? Would you like us to turn this into a call in show for subscribers? You tell us what you want to see, and maybe we can make that happen. All right, show us some interest, and that's the kind of thing that we can work on. But we really got to get going. We're going ten, uh, 10 minutes late. Uh, Tune in Friday to Observations, everybody. And until then, have a good night, everyone. Oh, tune in next Tuesday for the next Token and Hop show. Good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.